This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 24, How to Pay for College with as Little Out-of-Pocket as Possible. Traditional financial planning is no longer working, and in the new normal economy, your hosts, Mark Willis and Holly Bach, invite you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Welcome, everybody. All right, so have you been paying attention to the news? Have you been keeping up with all this? Have you seen the college costs? Have you seen the cost of college skyrocket <laughs> over, the last, uh, over the last 10, 20 years or so? It's been double the rate of inflation. It's been out of control watching the numbers. I, I've got a little toddler at home. And I am scared to death to even see what the cost of college will be. Mm -hmm. In fact, we ran some figures here, everybody. And uh, if you have a sophomore in high school, just, you know, college is just two years away, guys, at that point for a sophomore in high school. The cost of college, tuition, books, room and board is going to be $128,250 for a four-year public university. So if you go to a private school, you know, um, that cost is going to be upwards of $257,000. That's according to savingforcollege.com. Wow. So that's, a, guys, that's a quarter million dollars. <laughs> and that's for one kid. What if you have two or three kids or uh, more, right? So welcome, everybody, to our podcast. Uh, you've caught us in the middle of our new series on college planning, how to pay for college. Uh, with me in the studio today is Holly Bach. Welcome, Holly. Yes, thank you. Welcome, everyone. But they didn't catch us in the middle. This is the beginning. Yes, well, that's right. Yeah. So uh, speaking of uh, kids going to school and everything, how many siblings do you have, Holly? I have seven siblings. Oh, okay. All there right. are eight of us all together. So multiply that number that we just ran through there, 128000 for public school, 257000 for uh, private school. And that's if they're sophomores, right? Yeah. What if you have young kids? I mean, like my, like my little girl at home, it's, it's just staggering, the cost, mm-hmm. uh, cost of college. Uh, a quarter million dollars, okay? So uh, many people in our uh, audience do not know, uh, so we'd love to share a bit more about some of the services our firm offers. Uh, not just financial planning, but we partner with College Planning Network uh, through uh, that partnership, we're able to provide basically a huge comprehensive suite of services mm-hmm. to help people not just save up for college, but to, to pay for college without going broke in the process. Mm-hmm. Well, and helping them, yep. um, you know, walking them through the whole college process as exactly. well, not just paying for it, but, um, you know, going through the, the whole process from application to acceptance and everything. All the way through. It's true. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, we've been overwhelmed with uh, the responses we've received, the feedback we've gotten from parents. Uh, so what we're going to try to do in these next few episodes is we're going to try to compress the entire college planning process that we offer our clients down to maybe just the next three or four episodes if we can get it all in there. <laughs> uh, so so obviously we're going to be running through some very valuable information, super huge um, content to cover in just a few episodes. But, you know, obviously it would be malpractice of us to assume that you could just take this information and apply it to your situation, carte blanche. So that's why we keep that request a free meeting on our website, on our uh, Lake Growth website, and also the Not Your Average Financial Podcast website. Uh, so that's a bit about uh, sort of what we'll be talking about. Uh, tell us, Holly, a little bit about some of the concerns that most of our clients have uh, when it comes to college planning. 
Yeah. So what we've done is we've actually kind of polled our clients and we've been asking them, you know, the clients we work with for college planning purposes. And we've asked them, you know, what are some of your biggest concerns? You know, when you think college, what's the first heart attack Mm -hmm. (laughs) and what's the second and the third? Um, And so obviously, you know, we get a lot of responses where people are afraid of of missing deadlines, having no idea when those deadlines are. And did I already miss it? Or when when is it? Will I be ready for it? Um, Also, people being afraid of making mistakes. So filling things out incorrectly um, and just making any mistake along the way, talking to the wrong college, telling someone the wrong thing, you know, they hold it against you. Um, So just so many different little things that can trip you up trip you up. Um, also, you know, just not having the time to do everything that's involved in the process. I mean, the college planning process could just consume your entire life if you really wanted Full-time to. Full-time job if you wanted it to be, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, you could be applying for scholarships all day long and calling schools <laughs> the other half of the day, I guess, you know. I mean, just so it's a very time-consuming process if you, again, also, you know, don't really uh, know what you're doing and know what to spend your time on. Right. Um, but really, you know, those are just some of the responses we get. But there's three big ones, uh, kind of three primary ones that just come up again and again and again. And so the first of those uh, three big concerns, primary concerns, is that, you know, developing a plan on how they're going to pay for college and pay for these astronomical costs that they're kind of like staring down the barrel of. I mean, it's it's right here, um, almost here. And so, you know, the, the first kind of concern is developing a plan to pay for it. Uh, the second is that they're concerned that they might do something that would hurt their kid's chance of getting into school. Um, and so that that's another big concern that comes up. And then the third one is doing something that might cause them to not get the most financial aid possible. Right. So just not knowing, um, you know, what what to fill out, when to fill it out. And, you know, am I going to be putting this money in the wrong place that's going to result in them getting less financial aid than they could have gotten? And I mean, the list goes on and on. So those are kind of the three big ones uh, that, you know, come up again and again. And so those are the three concerns we wanted to make sure we address and hit home today. Yeah, the what you don't know can hurt you with the, with regard to planning and paying for college. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Illinois, we're here in Illinois here. I don't know, uh, we have folks listening all over the country and the world, but uh, here in Illinois, like many states, has a prepaid college tuition program where parents can pay today's college costs and have those uh, future college, college costs paid for back on today's rates. Uh, but, uh, you know, no surprise, as of 2017 anyway, it was woefully underfunded, according to Crane's business, and uh, many were even calling to shut the whole prepaid college planning um, mm-hmm. payment plan program down. Many other states have already gotten rid of it. Um, so if you're still one of the lucky ones to have one of these plans and you do plan to send your child to college in-state, uh, college actually colleges in-state actually count these savings as assets or income to your student. Uh, which can actually count against your student getting scholarships. So actually penalize your you and your child for saving. You have to be really careful how, to, how you use those prepaid college tuition plans. Um, so, you know, main high-level big picture item here. Holly, what are five ways that most people can pay for college? Yes, so the first way uh, of, of the five ways, the first way is savings. Okay, so uh, you could pay, just pay for college straight up out of savings. Uh, the second way is through loans. The third way is through scholarships. And the fourth way, if you want to call it one, uh, is going to a cheaper school. And the fifth is just skipping college altogether. 
Hey, so, that sounds all right. <laughs> yeah, so probably not the option that you're looking for. If you're in any way interested about help, you know, helping your child go to school, you're not looking to just say, actually, you know what? Never mind. Just right. skip it all together. Um, so, yeah, so those are kind of the five primary ways that you can pay for college. So we're going to look at a little bit of each of those in detail here. So, you know, the first we said was savings. So let's just say, for example, that, you know, dear listener, you have $200,000 burning a hole in your checking account and you just pay for college. That was easy. Bada boom, bada bing. Yeah, that was supposed (laughs) to be a joke. All right. So in all seriousness, if you have $10,000 in savings, we highly recommend that you do come in for that free consultation because I use the example that having $10,000 in savings could actually cost you an additional $500 to $2,500 a year in college aid each year. Mm. So again, what you don't know can hurt you. If you happen to tell a college that you've got $10,000 in savings, that's going to ding you in Mm -hmm. terms of scholarships and and need-based aid and that sort of thing. Uh, So you have to know what you you need to know before you start playing their game. And there's ways to avoid that. Right, yeah. 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 How how about the second one? Yeah, so the second way is through loans Um, and probably in in some circumstances the most common. Uh, I mean, when with the people that we work with, the people that come through our doors, you know, I would say maybe around 10% of them really have just the cash to pay for college outright. You know, so they're looking right. at just paying paying it out of savings. Um, and then maybe 30 to 40% of the people we work with have something set aside for college. Um, so really we're looking at 90% though of the people we work with um, are gonna have to borrow something from somewhere or 90% of people in general are gonna have to borrow something from somewhere. So there's a couple different ways that you can borrow money and and different loans that you can take out. Uh, But if you're going to borrow money, uh, there are some questions that you should be asking. And some of these might sound like dumb questions, but they're still important to think about and think through. Um, And so, I mean, one of them, you know, would you rather get a tax deduction or not get one? Hmm, let me think about that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, <laughs> if, if you, you know, Uncle Sam is uh, going to be willing to let you, you know, take a tax deduction on it and get more money or give you more money, then obviously you want to take him up on that offer. But you want to be thinking about that because that's a right. reality with different kinds of loans. Some allow the tax deduction, some don't. Um, another question is, you know, would you rather have a fixed monthly payment or a variable increasing payment? Yeah, let's keep keep to the stick uh, fixed if we can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, kind of sounds like a dumb question, but you'd be surprised how many people we work with, and you know, they show us these loans they have that just keep ballooning and you know, getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and on them, and they have no idea what's happening. I mean, yeah. kind of think like what happened back with variable mortgages, you know, back in the uh, housing crisis, and so same concept here. You want to make sure you're keeping that in mind. Uh, another question is, you know, would you rather have an interest-free student loan? or a high-interest student loan. Well, yeah, interest-free if I can handle it, yeah. Dumb question. But again, <laughs> when you don't know what your options are and you don't know what to be looking for, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy the loans people end up with because right. they're not asking these questions. So again, you know, we see uh, you know people that are taking out these loans each and every semester and they just keep building and building one loan on top of the other um, versus just having the funds ready to go and putting together a plan now before they even enter college of how they're going to pay for college so that the money's available prior to when college even starts. Mm. Um, now, there are uh, subsidized loans out there. And really, I mean, it kind of works the same as cash. 
Um, you know, so four-year degree, same as cash type offer here. Um, and so where the, the way that it works is they will loan you the money, uh, you know, your, your child the money, and they don't have to make any payments and they don't charge any interest until six months after they graduate. This is really nice. Yeah, when you can come across those and you have the need for it anyway. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are the best loans to find. Yeah. Yeah. Subsidized loans. And so even if you have the cash ready to go, don't use it mm-hmm. on the subsidy. Yeah. You know, take as much subsidized loan as you can possibly get. Hang on to that cash. Earn your pennies for a couple years, yep. you know, four and a half years. Hopefully if they're able to graduate in four years, um, you know, earn your pennies in a savings account. And then once, you know, uh, six months after they graduate hits, just pay it off with the cash that you had sitting at the beginning of it. Perfect. Yeah. So there's some strategies, even in loans, that make more sense than other loans. Uh, not mm-hmm. all loans are created equal. That's oh, for sure. Oh, absolutely not. So uh, the third way to pay for college is through scholarships. Now, the big 500-pound gorilla in the room is the scholarships. There are $275 billion of student aid that came out in the form of scholarships. Uh, but Oh, I'm sorry, $275 billion in the form of student aid. But what percentage of that came out in the form of scholarships of that $275 billion? Was that 50% of the 275 billion bucks? Was it less than that? No, it was a lot less. Uh, 70%? The answer is right around 2%. 2% of that $275 billion of aid came in the form of scholarships. So 2 to 3% of all that money that came in uh, was for scholarships. So don't, don't look at scholarships as the make or break is the, is the bottom line here. Sure, it's going to be nice. There are some bizarre scholarships out there if you're left-handed. <laughs> you know, if you, I've seen one where if you have a heart murmur. But if you're talking about hundreds, uh, you're talking about hundreds of dollars here, not thousands or tens of thousands. So when you're faced with 20000 bucks a year, 30000 dollars $60,000 a year in college costs, people literally spend months and months and months searching out 200 bucks for scholarships, basically. Mm-hmm. It's just not a good use of your time for the most part. Yep. So I do still recommend people create a profile, have those scholarships sent to you via fastweb.com. If you're not uh, familiar with FastWeb, I recommend you do make a profile there. Uh, but don't be penny wise and a dollar, or in this case, $257,000 foolish. Right? <laughs> uh, the fourth option on how to pay for college is go to a cheaper school. Now, we don't believe in this option at all. So we'll explain why uh, shortly. Uh, but you know, there's really just better ways to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So next up in our little hot takes on this episode is uh, myth versus reality. So Holly and I have put together a short list of myths that we hear quite often um, in, in the realm of college planning. And we'd like to talk about that with you all. So the first myth is I make too much money to qualify for financial aid. What makes that a myth, Holly? Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that can be the case. I mean, I think the reason it becomes a myth is because people hear someone's story and, right. oh, I heard of you know this person that made this much money and they didn't get anything. So therefore, I make around the same amount. I will not get any aid. Uh, but that's not true. And financial aid is not a you know, one size fits all where, I mean, it's just based on your income. There's so many other factors that they take into account when determining financial aid. So, I mean, we've seen families that are in the 200 thousand plus income range that are actually still getting financial aid for college. Hmm. And that's yep. possible. It's true. Um, and really it, it, what it comes down to is how they're positioned, you know, how the, how the parents' assets are positioned, how the students position, what schools they're looking at. And I mean, ultimately you can still be making a very nice income and still get money for college. What, what do you mean by assets positioned? Maybe define that for us. 
yeah, just simply, you know, where the assets are sitting. Where your cash is or, where, you know, your net worth is living. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just where, where is it at? Um, because different types of accounts affect their formulas and their equations in different ways. So having money sitting in a savings account versus an IRA it's going to count towards your financial need differently. Right, exactly. Yep. So again, we're back to that old saying, where your money lives, lives matters. Matters. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the next myth, um, hey, Holly, uh, I don't know if I can really get any kind of financial aid for my kid. I mean, he's hardly scratching it through art school, right? Or his art classes, not to mention algebra. He's just not really a great student. So there's no way we're getting scholarships. What do you have to say for that? I would say, again, that's that's another myth. And maybe you heard of another person where their kid was, wasn't, was you know, the most astute student and didn't get any aid. Few, few fries short of a Happy Meal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but really, I mean, the reality is that um, a lot of federal and state money that's out there in the form of scholarships has nothing to do uh, with the students' grades and their GPAs. Um, they're willing to give financial aid even regardless of how, how they do in school. Okay. How about this one? Again, we're back to where our money lives. This myth is all about, hey, I, I own a home. So, you know, there's no way that I'm going to get much financial aid. I've got all this money wrapped up in my house. Mm-hmm. Another myth, <laughs> um, because there's a number of schools out there that actually don't even look at the equity in your home. Um, and so you might own your home, but they don't even care. You know, they're not factoring that into their equation. Now, that's only some schools, not all. Every school is different. Um, but even if you have a school that does take equity into account, I mean, with proper planning in advance, uh, you can position it so that even your home won't count against you. All right. So, you know, I, I probably could handle this one on my own. I mean, this this college uh, uh, applications thing, it's an easy process, right, Holly? <laughs> well, I mean, I guess uh, if any of our listeners have ever put a kid through college before, uh, they probably wouldn't say that easy is the first word that comes to mind or the only four-letter word that comes to mind. <laughs> right. Uh, probably not. Um, so really, I mean, it's it's true that the reality and the problem is the fact that college planning is a time-consuming and complex process. Um, and and the, what makes it more difficult is the fact that there's really no scorecard at the end right. um, where you really don't know whether you did it right or not. And I think sometimes that's where a lot of the anxiety can come from. I mean, because once you, offend, uh, you know, officially send in all your um, your, your acceptance letters and you, you decide on the college to get all the financial aid set up, you know, sign on the dotted line, no one's going to be coming back to you and saying, oh, this is great. We can see here that uh, you're going to be paying, you know, $20,000 a year for, for this school. You know, congratulations. That's the best you could have done. Mm, or right. coming back and saying, um, actually, you know what, you could have, you know, gone to the same school, done all these same things for actually just 10000 a year wow. instead of 20000 There's no one that's going to do that for you. Mm-hmm. You have to do it kind of right the, the first time around. So uh, how about the school itself, right? Can't the, they, they have full-time admission counselors at the school, at the university. Uh, the school will help us do all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, p- parents will go different places. Sometimes they'll go to the high school and they'll try and get help from the high school in this whole college process. And yes, you know, certainly guidance counselors and they have staff there that's there to help you with the college process. But let's be honest. I mean, they're, they're not going to have the time or the capacity to help every single person. I mean, just in the state of Illinois alone, um, the ratio is something like 400 students per guidance counselor in wow. the public schools. So they're 
you know, they're not going to have the time. And honestly, it's not their expertise either um, in figuring out how you're going to pay for college. So, um, you know, kind of on the high school end, may not necessarily get the time or the correct help there. Um, and then also even on the college side, I mean, <laughs> uh, may, some people's idea might be that they can just walk up to the college, walk into the administrative office and say, hey, what can you do for me? Right. You know, what? Give me your best offer. <laughs> and I mean, I'd kind of liken that to, you know, someone going to the IRS and and, help, and asking them, hey, do my taxes for me and get me all the deductions and the best deal possible. That's technically, it is, they will do that for free for us. I don't mm-hmm. know if Americans realize this, but they will offer you free help on your on your taxes at the IRS. Yeah, you can you can have them do your taxes for you each and every year. Right. And if you if you would like to trust them to that, then more power right. to like you. I, I mean, but, it's, it's sort of like saying, do I prefer to deal with the person who just robbed us to treat us fairly and return everything? Uh, you know, because the robber at least won't, he, he, he's not going to charge us attorney fees or, you know, come, come after us uh, with large legal bills or anything like that. Right. Mm-hmm. No, it's, but I mean, the reality is, is that we use CPAs and we go to accountants to prepare our taxes because we trust that they're going to be the ones that will get us our full deductions and mm-hmm. get us the, you know, kind of least tax bill possible. Whereas the IRS has zero motivation to have you pay any less than the full amount of taxes that you could possibly pay. And so, I mean, it's kind of a similar dynamic here. And and it might be a sad reality, but it's a reality in the fact that these colleges are businesses. And they're not in the business, unfortunately, of trying to get your student into their college for as little as possible. They're actually in the business of trying to figure out how, what is the least amount that they can offer you and still get your child to go there, even if you might need or deserve more. Right. Right. So there is, like we mentioned earlier, $275 billion amount of financial aid and tax relief out there, but only if you know how to get it. You know, of that 275, about 70 billion or so is student and parent contributions. That means there's still $245 billion in student aid. So that's super encouraging. But how do we get your family, your family, uh, dear listener, to get that fair share for your kid's uh, college. So let's break down the formula because I think this is important. It's very simple. It's simply the cost of attendance for whatever school minus your expected family contribution. And that should equal the family need. So cost of attendance of XYZ school or university minus what they think you should contribute as a family. And that becomes your financial family need. So uh, that that tuition that cost of attendance is everything from tuition, books, room and board, meal plans, t- transportation costs, really everything. Cost of attendance is minus what your expected family contribution is, which is largely made up of income and assets. How many kids you have? There's over a hundred components that make up the expected family contribution, and it's more you know it's always more than you want it to be. But the cost of attendance minus that family contribution equals your need. And that need is how much aid you're eligible for. It doesn't mean how much aid you'll get, but it's how mm-hmm. much you're eligible for. Yep, that's the maximum aid right. that you could receive. Mm-hmm. So maybe give us uh, three kinds of families that might need some proper college planning, Holly. Yeah, so I guess we kind of break it down into three different categories where uh, category one families are the families with just you know total financial need. And those families are going to be getting you know aid regardless of where they go to school. Um, However, that doesn't change the fact that everything still needs to be done 100% accurately and on time. So they still have to be making sure that they're picking the right schools, they're working with the right schools to make sure they're going to get 
as much of it covered as possible um, and make sure they're getting the maximum amount of that kind of free money. Um, so those are category one families. Category two, which is probably about the majority of the people that we typically see. And these are the families that are, um, depending on their situation, the schools that they pick are going to get either a lot of money some money or get next to nothing. You know, again, just depending on how the family's positioned, the student's positioned, and this is the majority of people. Uh, then there's category three, which are the families that make way too much money <laughs> and they're never going to get need-based aid. However, they still have to go through the exact same process to get other do dollars that are out there, you know, such as merit-based scholarships um, and anything else that might, that, that might be accessible to them. So, but they still have to fill out all the same forms. It still has to be done correctly. So it doesn't matter which category you're in, honestly, um, you still need to make sure you're going through the proper college planning process. So category three families and category two families really need to be concerned with paying for college um, in the most cost and tax efficient way possible. Because if you could save even just 4000 a year in taxes by how you pay for college, that's really no different than having an additional $4,000 right. in eight. Mm -hmm. you know I mean, it's all dollars in your pocket, yep. uh, whether it's dollars you didn't have to pay out in taxes or dollars you didn't have to pay in tuition. It's that's the a, same amount. You bring up a great point there, Holly. And, and uh, that's true because what we're doing is it's these are after-tax dollars being sent to universities. Mm -hmm. You know, So a 401k is pre-tax dollars, but we're having to come up with out of our pockets after-tax money to pay for XYZ University. So you know, I ran a quick, just a quick back of the napkin math here for a university that might cost a kid $140,000 to go to, which is, you know, in the ballpark between public school and private school uh, costs these days. If you've got, let's say you've got 20 years to go before you retire, uh, that $140,000, if you just kept it pre-tax and put it into something that would earn you 6% a year for one college, uh, that means you'd miss out on a retirement fund of over $440,000. If you had 30 years to go and you were sending your kid to, you know, an elite private school for 200 grand over the four-year period, you'd be missing out on $1.1 million for your retirement. And it's so often that I get to meet clients that are just troubled by that. They are choosing between their retirement or their kid's college. Mm -hmm. And like I said, at, in the first place, you wanna spend your time in the process that's making sure your family contribution is as low as it can legally be. Because we need as much outside uh, source of funds as we possibly can get. The second, second place you wanna spend your time is coming up with a plan right now on how you can afford to pay for college costs. Because college planning is really a retirement planning issue, if you think about it, you know, from those perspectives. Uh, every dollar I spend on college is dollars I won't see again at my retirement if we don't do things right. So keeping that family contribution as, as low as possible is the most important thing. Uh, then the next step is, uh, you know, making sure that you get whatever form you can in aid, getting as much of it as possible. Those are two out of the three very important, crucial ways you can take action right now to help your kid get through college without going broke in the process. The third I'm going to be touching on in our next episode. So that's a nice cliffhanger for you guys. <laughs> so again, thank you all for joining us for another episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only 
and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.